The Audio Vault on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds, 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. How good do you want to be? From play one to the last play, we fight. Today's about opportunity and character. We got a chance to come out here and play football. It's a blessing. Hey, every season is full of defining moments. Let's make this day a defining moment for us in our quest. Let's go, baby. This is the Morning Huddle on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. With Rob Thompson and the managing editor of Blogging the Boys, RJ Ochoa. Now, here are the guys. Huddle up. Welcome one and welcome all to the morning huddle here on San Antonio Sports Star. It's 94.1 on your FM dial. My name, RJ Ochoa. Top of the morning to everybody. See you, Vince Trevino in the Brigade Bar. No Rob Thompson today. I'm flying this thing Han style. It's solo. It's a great song by E.S. The incredible, the dashing, debonair, easy E. Edwin Hafner on the ones and twos, of course. The rodeo road trip has come to an end. And I, I, this is going to shock you, I know. But the Spurs lost again. This time wasn't ever really close. 114-105. They dropped yeah, to 11. Baby. Thank you, Pop. 11-48. and 48. Pop went uh, pop again, I guess. We're, we have these ceremonial benchings that are happening mid-game now because that's all we have to kind of hold our hat upon. It was kind of a crazy night in basketball um, across, I guess, the state of Texas, even though uh, the Spurs game took place in Minneapolis. Out in Lubbock, did you see this, Edwin? There was a brawl, a, a brewing kind of brawl. Brock Cunningham uh, with a body check of a Red Raider and uh, kind of turned this into a, a bit of a of a feisty sort of tizzy there in Lubbock. There were all sorts of Red Raider fans throwing debris on the court, and matters had to be taken. There were technical fouls assigned. There was a flagrant offered. Brock chalked up, threw up, whatever you want to call it, the, uh, the horns up on his way out the tunnel as Texas came away with the big win, obviously winding down the way, getting towards, making our way towards the NCAA tournament. Um, it was kind of thrilling, <laughs> especially we went from, in real time, the Spurs just getting waxed uh, to this really interesting game happening in Lubbock. Uh, Texas Tech got a great basketball team, but they were humbled, to say the least, um, on their home court, um, even though this was kind of a, you know, the analysis, if you were watching this game, really evolved. It went from, that's a great basketball play, to, wait a minute, he fully body-checked him into the scorer's table. Um, that was the most fight that we saw from any Texas basketball team on Tuesday night, as mentioned. The Dallas Mavericks also lost on a crazy buzzer, like a 400-foot buzzer beater. Um, tough scene for our friends, obviously, um, in the DFW area. But the Spurs lose. Uh, it's, speaking of Dallas, Stephen Jones spoke, uh, which you could offer as a bit of a loss for Dallas Cowboys fans. The NFL Combine is, of course, going on in Indianapolis. We're going to react to what he had to say. He touched on a variety of topics, including the Dallas Cowboys culture, which everybody has a take on these days. Mike initiated. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you very much. 
As long as we don't hear from Mike McCarthy this morning. that's We didn't hear from him at the Combine. Uh, of course, McCarthy and Mike Zimmer not hanging out there. Uh, instead, they are hard at work at the uh, the Death Star, the star, of course, in Frisco. Uh, but Stephen Jones spoke, and I promise you, you are not going to feel really any better about the Cowboys as a result of it all. But the Spurs, as noted, did wrap up the rodeo road trip. And our friend, my friend, Joe Reinagel, upset some people on uh, on Tuesday. Uh, we had a, a clip go out on um, on on Tuesday evening, Tuesday afternoon-ish, uh, of a conversation that Joe and I were having here on the morning huddle on Monday morning. If you missed it, shame on you. But if you do miss anything that we offer, that's why you can go to essaysportstar.com. You can go to our YouTube channel, like, subscribe. you got to subscribe first. That's the thing you should do in, in the proper order. Search for Essay Sports Star on YouTube. If you do, you can see us. You can watch every show every single day live. Of course, you can participate in the Brigade Bar. You can offer your comments. You can offer your chats. Uh, you can offer your points of discourse. You can, of course, also offer super chats. That is now a thing that we offer, but make sure, please, to like the video. Turn on the notifications, and you can see um, what people are talking about, which is what Joe Reinagle had to say. We'll we'll touch on that as well because it's starting to reach a break point, an inflection point in a bad way, I think, for the Spurs. As noted, they dropped another game, their 48th loss of the season on Tuesday night. And again, the rodeo road trip over Nine games, one win for the Spurs. Cool. We had a 5 by 5 from Wemby in the process. We had some great comments from LeBron James about Wemby. Um, I think the comment, by the way, of the night on Tuesday goes to Jeff McDonald, who noted that Wemby did have a 5 by 5 game if you count fouls and turnovers. It was another sloppy game for the Spurs. In fact, Wemby, for all the praise and all the adoration, was benched. Um, he was allowed to return to the game because, you know, let's be real. I mean, he's Wemby at the end of the day. But Jeremy Sohan was also benched. Um, like I said, the Spurs just kind of feel like we got to start sending these messages now. We got to start acting serious in certain capacities because the seriousness is definitely not happening on the actual basketball court. Um, this was, again, the, the final score, if you didn't see the game on Tuesday night, 114-105 really isn't representative of just how not close it was. If you are a, a morning huddler, as some people like to say at this hour, a morning cuddler, you are aware that I like to play a win probability. Uh, there are all sorts of advanced metrics and measurements and data that we can access in today's day and age. We can send robots to the moon. It's a wonderful time. And if you go off of ESPN's win probability, and this is tracking throughout the entire course of a game, what each team's given win probability is at any moment in time. So you could look back and say, man, at 11-12 in the first quarter, at 3-16 in the third quarter, whatever the case may be, you can see who had the larger win probability and exactly what it was. And the game I like to play with Rob when he's here is what was the last moment in time that the in the game time that the Spurs had a positive win probability? And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to report on this Wednesday morning that at literally no point against the Timberwolves did the Spurs carry a positive win probability. They were literally projected and predicted to lose. Granted, they were uh, underdogs in the game as far as betting and, uh, and analysis along those lines is concerned. 
but they literally never had a positive win probability. The lowest win probability that Minnesota carried at any given point in time, let's see, came with about uh, right around eight minutes left in the first quarter was when it was technically closest for the Spurs. And at that point, the T-Wolves carried a measly 78.7% win probability. Real tough living when you're playing a team so bad that you're only carrying a 78.7% win probability. This was awful. I mean, another really bad basketball game. You can miss me with the growth. You can miss me with the process. You can miss me with all this garbage because this is a really bad basketball team with an all-time generational player who does all-time generational things. In fact, there was a lot of people, there were a lot of people from a national perspective, you know, just fawning over, drooling over the highlight of Wemby. Uh, with the, I don't even know what to call it at this point in time. The crossover, step back, three-point shot. I mean, he is a phenom. He is an amazing piece of basketball, you know, just glory that we have to watch be wasted. Um, and on Tuesday night specifically, we had to watch it be benched. Victor Wembanyama and Jeremy Sohan were at one point in time against the T-Wolves benched because the Spurs apparently think that they are better um, than, you know, 11 wins would suggest at this point in the season. Uh, Wemby was asked about this postgame, and, uh, well, here's what he had to say. Yeah, I mean, we need to, you know we're being held accountable for you know, our, our mistakes, and this is the only way to, to get better. And uh, we have to, you know, we have to make those mistakes to get better. But it's, uh, I mean, the quicker the better. I give Wemby a lot of props for being humble enough to put up with what's happening around him, given his expectations, given his pedigree, given his track record, given everything he's accomplished in his professional and really just overall basketball career to this point. I also give him a lot of credit for towing the company line, uh, for living along the lines of, yeah, we got to get better. Yeah, this, yeah, that, you know, or, you know, it's blah, 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 accountability. Dude, this isn't accountability. I mean, you know, if, if, if we're going through the process of ceremonial benchings in the final week of February as we wrap up the rodeo road trip, what are we doing here? I mean, w- with 11 wins, you know, wh- where is and where was this energy if, if we're going to play this game, if we're going to be this, you know, authoritative, you know, slap the hands, you know, corporal punishment type of crew, what, where, what, what like, this just feels, this feels like the, the, the teacher, the administrator, the, the lecturer, the whatever that has all of a sudden decided to start taking things seriously, right? Like, the teacher that was kind of your friend, um, the teacher who maybe had their PlayStation in the classroom and you got to play during the breaks, during your off period, and everything was cool, everything was copacetic, and the teacher got a scolding from the principal. The principal said, I don't want any of this buddy-buddy stuff going on right now. We want you to change this, change that, whatever. So you walk into class one day thinking, hey, everything's going to be chill, everything's going to be copacetic, and teacher says, sit down! Everybody shut up! And you think, whoa, what's going on here? This is a really kind of different way to operate than than we are accustomed to and that's how this is jeremy did not return to the game after getting benched Wemby did in fact Wemby played a grand total of 32 minutes uh shout out to paul garcia of project spurs who noted 
Um, he, he played the final eight minutes of the third quarter and then the entire fourth quarter, obviously. Uh, all told, you know, 13-rebound uh, night, 17-point night for Wemby, and, you know, that's cool. But Devin Vassell chipped in 21, and it's all just we're – well, we're just – we're just passing time. We're all just aging. We're just watching paint dry with the Spurs. Um, but they will be back in town, thankfully, I suppose, uh, where they have fewer. Um, they have their uh, a minority of their wins in the building so far this season. But can they pick up another one here shortly? That remains to be seen. If you are a Spurs and Cowboys fan, it's a bit of a rough week because the Spurs continue to lose. And Stephen Jones, well, he spoke. And that is um, generally not a good thing uh, as, as far as confidence is concerned. Stephen Jones, speaking of the NFL comment, of course, on Tuesday, uh, touched on a variety of topics, uh, including, you know, the Dak Prescott extension, the looming extension, that they want to extend Dak, that they want to extend CD, that they want to extend Micah Parsons. He talked about Tyler Smith, uh, the talented offensive lineman, and where they feel like it would be best to play him. And he, of course, was asked about his father's, a.k.a. his boss's, comments from less than a month ago. It was less than a month ago when Jerry Jones said that the Dallas Cowboys would be all in this offseason. What did Stephen Jones have to say about that? We'll get into it next on the Morning Huddle on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Tonight at 7, it's the Aggies in South Carolina on your home for March Madness, 94-1, San Antonio's Sports Star. Hello, beautiful people. It is the morning huddle on 94-1, San Antonio Sports Star. My name, R to the J. That's what like four people in high school called me. RJ Ochoa. No Rob Thompson today. You and me, we could do this. It's us against the world. It's perhaps how Stephen Jones feels about the Dallas Cowboys. Why wouldn't he feel that way? All right. Getting close to 30 years on the drought. That's the drought with a trademark. He's got to trademark it so they can make money off of it. It is NFL Combine Week, which means NFL dignitaries from all over the uh, the ranking royalty of NFL families have descended upon Indianapolis, breaking bread, eating steak and shrimp cocktails at St. Elmo's, bumping elbows, evaluating prospects, grinding the tape, and of course having important and critical conversations with one another. It is generally at the Combine when the foundation is laid for trades that we'll see across the NFL, for would-be free agent decisions, whether in the here and now or maybe in the future, you get representatives from all 32 teams in the same sort of nucleus, uh, same sort of space on this earth, and um, and it can lead to some fun. Um, but you also get an opportunity to hear from different people associated with these teams, obviously, and in many cases, it's the first opportunity to hear from uh, these people since their, their team season ended. That, of course, is not the case for the Dallas Cowboys because everybody involved does so many media appearances, which we're grateful for, uh, but uh, not the first time that we've heard from anybody that is a part of the team's brain trust since they were embarrassed by the Green Bay Packers. On Tuesday, it was Stephen Jones' turn. Stephen's official title is EVP, that is Executive Vice President of the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. And he touched on a variety of things. I, I would say he kind of held court just a little bit. Um, 
among the things that I think everybody was and is the most curious about um, were his thoughts on, on what his dad, what Jerry, the boss man, had to say. You will recall it was January 30th, so not even a full month ago, despite the fact that this is a leap year. Be prepared tomorrow, people. It's not even a full month ago at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, that Jerry Jones said, it's going to be all in. We're going to be all in. It's going to be different. We're going to be all in this season on 2024. Steven was asked for his thoughts and takeaways on what his dad had to say about the all-in philosophy and disposition and pretty much did everything he could to sidestep the idea in general. I've never known Jerry not to be all-in in any given year, but, uh, you know. Thank you, Steven. Thank you. Um, he went on to just talk about how the team has been successful in recent history, how they've won 36 games over the course of the last three years, which they do deserve full credit for. I mean, that is a difficult thing to do, but obviously people are, are hankering for some postseason success, some, some legitimate success. Um, and so we're seeing the walk back. This is, you know, at some point in time we all – want to try to moonwalk we all practice it we all think that we can you know whether you're at a dance at an event at a party or maybe you're just in your room um you put you put socks on on the carpet to make it easier for yourself we all think that we can do it but we can't um steven can't uh he is uh he's a moonwalking fiend right now walking back jerry's comments um it always seemed unlikely that the cowboys were just gonna you know, adopt an entirely different philosophy as far as how they approached their team building um, setup this particular year. And with less than two weeks to go, in fact, two weeks to the day from now is the beginning, the official beginning in earnest of free agency in the NFL. It is March 13th at 4 p.m. Eastern, so 3 p.m. for those of us in the proper time zone when the new league year begins. Uh, but it is 12 days from now, March 11th, when the legal tampering window opens and we will hear about all these deals that have been negotiated that have been agreed to um, that just simply aren't final in a formal sense and that is when we will fully get to see uh, who's right here jerry that they're going to be all in or steven that they're not steven did of course have some thoughts on a few other things um, in addition to the i guess all in discussion um, the most pressing matter most kind of talked about thing with the Cowboys in this brief offseason has been their culture. Um, I talked about last week here on the huddle that every day last week, get up, hit the Cowboys culture. Every day. The Chiefs have won three Super Bowls in five years, yet every day one segment on get up was devoted to whether or not the Dallas Cowboys have a culture problem. Um, this, of course, most recently is coming off of the heels of Micah Parsons participating in NBA All-Star Weekend, winning MVP of the Celebrity Game. And um, whether or not you think that is a culture issue is up to you, but whether Stephen Jones thinks that they have a culture issue is definitely important. But I think overall, between organizationally, coach, or personnel department, like our leadership on our team's outstanding. You're always going to have somebody who's going to say something. Might be, hey, that's their particular thought process on why we may have come up short. But personally, I don't think it's an issue. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think you have to be really careful when you throw around 
that claim when you say whatever team you're talking about. In this case, it's a really polarizing one, obviously, in the Dallas Cowboys. But you have to be really careful in saying they have a culture problem because Stephen talked about it at length. It was a really long session that he had. I do think the Cowboys have great leadership, and I know that some people would roll their eyes at that and say, well, they haven't won anything, et cetera, et cetera, and that's fair. But, I, I mean, they are generally great people, um, and so the word culture can sometimes mean this, that, or whatever. I think you can totally claim that the Cowboys don't have a culture that is completely and totally focused on the matters at hand uh, because of who they are. But that does stem from the point of leadership that Stephen is a part of. Because of all the entities that the Cowboys have their hands in, of course, uh, things get a little bit frazzled and get a little bit mixed up. And uh, that's just kind of the name of the game when you're playing for America's team. Um, among all the, the hodgepodge of things that Stephen said beyond that, the thing I found to be the most interesting uh, and that may have tipped some sort of hand relative to free agency by the way, Brian says in the Brigade Bar, the star players need to stand up and do better in the playoffs. That's Dax, CD, and Micah. Like, you need your best players to play their best, and none of them did, and that's the mindset. That's fair. Like, you could totally criticize them for not showing up when it mattered the most. Um, that is representative of some semblance of culture. I agree with you, Brian. Fair point. Uh, but quickly, um, we don't know exactly what is going to happen with Tyron Smith or that the Cowboys are going to bring him back to play left tackle for them once again in 2024. If they do not, Tyler Smith seems like a would-be option at the position. Of course, Tyler was a phenomenal left guard for Dallas last year. They didn't move him out when Tyron didn't miss time. Steven was asked about Tyler Smith and his future, and here is what he had to say. You know, that's uh, you know remains to be seen. I mean, it's starting to feel like Larry Allen all over again. The great thing about Tyler is his versatility. He could be a great left tackle, too. Uh, Tyler's got that in it. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, when we're through massaging it, we'll have a good spot for him. And the great news is we have Tyler Smith. I mean, walking the line, not Steven's first time, obviously, at all this. My read on that, if it's meaningful to you, is I think the Cowboys want to keep Tyler Smith at guard. He's got some shorter arms relative to the ideal tackle prospect. Not that he's a prospect. I mean, he's a you know, two-year veteran at this point in time. Um, but I think the Cowboys probably want to keep him at guard, probably want to you know, just run things back with Tyron one more time. Maybe they do draft a tackle. There's plenty of options. If you're looking for a tackle on this year's draft, it is the right one to be in that position. Um, but we'll see. We will know for sure in about two weeks' time when Tyron does or does not sign a new contract with the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys, of course, in some sort of action, well, with the NFL Combine happening, but the San Antonio Spurs were in actual action, if you want to call it that, on Tuesday night, they lost uh, to the San to the San Antonio Spurs to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and uh, we're going to get into that um, in just a little bit at, at, when we discuss the Spurs at, at much larger length. But for now, we're going to focus on what might be missing with the Cowboys um, because we can talk about Tyron and Tyler, et cetera, et cetera. The reality is there are things that they need to add that they do not have. What are those things? We've got the answers coming up next on ninety four one San Antonio Sports Star. Tonight at 7, it's the Aggies and South Carolina on your home for March Madness. 94-1, San Antonio Sports Star. Hello! Huddle up. It is the morning huddle on 94-1, San Antonio Sports Star. Spurs lost on Tuesday night. You could have replayed that from any week 
basically ever in the past. Now, Spurs don't play every Tuesday. But you get the point. All right, we're going to get to the Spurs in just a little bit. For now, the Dallas Cowboys are uh, under the microscope because they lost again. And that remains a point of frustration for everyone involved. Right? Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a take. Everybody has an idea. Everybody has some sort of thought on what the Cowboys need. We were talking a little while ago about Stephen Jones and his thoughts, which I know mean a great deal to many of you. Um, but many of you have chimed in with your thoughts in the Brigade Bar. That's why we encourage you certainly to go to SASportsStar.com uh, to subscribe to our YouTube channel, search for SA Sports Star. You can watch the show that way, subscribe, like the video, turn on the notifications. And I say that, and if you don't know what that means, you turn on the notifications and it lets you know you get a little well, a notification on your device, your phone, whatever the case may be, when we go live. So in case you're caught up in something, you say, hey, the crew's live. Let me hang out with them. Let me join the Brigade Bar. And while we're here talking about the Dallas Cowboys, Stephen Jones um, was quoted, or we, we played a quote from him on Tuesday about Tyler Smith, the what will now be third-year offensive lineman from Tulsa, the mighty football factory that is Tulsa. Um, Tyler Smith has played both left tackle and left guard for the Cowboys, although he was originally envisioned to be a, a left guard inside of Tyron Smith. But the, the fact that Tyron Smith may or may not return to the Cowboys in 2024 is what has casted a bit of a shadow, some some a bit of a cloud over this subject in terms of what the best thing to do, you know, what it exactly is or what exactly it is. Um, so Steven kind of flirted with the idea of moving Tyler around um, and if the Cowboys are able to bring Tyron back in free agency, that kind of puts an end to that overall discussion. I think you could totally see, though, Tyron just kind of jumping on the, the, the Chiefs bandwagon and, and trying to go get a Super Bowl, kind of, you know, their version of David West. Um, but a lot of you have thoughts on this. Brian says in the Brigade Bar, um, in terms of just overall, well, actually, first of all, Brian says, leave Smith at guard, dude will be a Hall of Fame. Bro has grown man strength. We need that in the middle of the, I think you mean the offensive line. Um yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. When it comes to offensive linemen and, and elite offensive linemen, you want some long arms. You you want some 34-ish inch arms. I mean, you want some some long arms that are able to, to obviously keep defenders at bay. Uh, the shorter your arms, the easier it is to kind of gain leverage. Um, and Tyler Smith does not have the longest arms in the NFL um, or certainly among Dallas Cowboys offensive linemen. And so that's why you can make an argument that he's better suited to play guard, although he certainly held his own, his rookie year at tackle when Tyron Smith was hurt. But this, the, the question at hand, the question at large is what do the Dallas Cowboys need, right? Because the, the, you know they need to figure out the offensive line issue, but they need to do a lot of different things. Um, Jesus says time to let Tyron go. Can't make the club in the tub. Uh, that is one course of action they could certainly take. A lot of you do have some thoughts. Brian also offered the star players need to stand up and do better in the playoffs. It's Dak, CD, Micah Parsons. You need your best players to play their best, and none of them didn't. It's the mindset. Pete Estrada said in the Brigade Bar, they have a leadership issue. It isn't with front office personnel. It is with a lack of winning veteran leadership. I agree with that, which is why I was so excited last year when the Cowboys traded for Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks because they were these players who had done some legitimate things in the NFL, had climbed the highest of highs, and Stephon Gilmore's case had accomplished the most impressive things you could accomplish in this league, both on an individual and a team level. Um, 
Marco, by the way, says the physical features of professional athletes always boggles me. 36-inch arms. I don't think I have 36-inch legs. It is a a crazy sort of phenomenon, the way professional athletes are built. But what do the Cowboys need? All right. Is it culture? Is it more talent? Is it an extension for this player? Is it more money in the salary cap? Because – you can slice it any which way you want. They can be the favorites. They can be the underdogs. They can be at home. They can be on the road. They can be coming in hot. They can be coming in cold. They can have an MVP caliber quarterback. They can have the best wide receiver in the NFL. They can have all these records. They could have never lost a game at home all season. They can literally have somebody set the NFL record for most pick sixes in a season. And somehow, someway, none of it is enough. So what is the thing? What is the secret sauce? What is the ingredient that we are missing? What is the missing page to this recipe? Well, on Tuesday, we got some input from somebody who isn't even in the kitchen anymore. The former head chef, now uh, across town at a different restaurant, Dan Quinn, former Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator, now the head coach of the Washington Commanders, has spoken, obviously, since taking up that new post, but was asked specifically on Tuesday what the Dallas Cowboys need. And here's what my man Danny Q had to say. Part of the reason for going back there last year was to absolutely go for it in the biggest way. And so uh, to come up short in that end, no doubt about that, uh, that hurt and that left a mark. But I think as a competitor, you keep going back. You keep getting back in the fight and you find, you know, the small edges and the small margins to do that. And I know that they will. Uh, they've got a really strong and solid locker room. And if you have that part right first, uh, that gives you a real chance to, to make your mark. I'm not trying to just be a grouch. But what does that even mean if you have a really strong locker room? Because we just sat here, all of us, you know, you and me, and we said the Cowboys have a bit of a culture issue. They have a, a bit of a, of a lack of accountability when it comes to leadership, veteran leadership, winning pedigree, right? Money in the bank that people can look at and see and touch and know it's real. They're a bunch of inexperienced players and people when it comes to trying to do this very particular thing. And then we asked Dan Quinn, well, what do they need? He says, well, they just need people who know how to do that. Okay, <laughs> that's kind of a problem relative to what we have to work with, the ingredients in the proverbial kitchen. Brian, once again in the Brigade Bar, says, Cowboys need a player to be loud and jump on the guys. Brian, I'm going to push back on this just a little bit. And I, By the way, in addition to the Brigade Bar, we would love to hear your thoughts on this. 656 ESPN, 656 You can always get in touch with the show, and you can be loud with us. But I think that we, because football is this gladiator sport, we associate, you know, screaming and yelling and, you know, jumping down people's throats as the only point of leadership. And I'm not saying that that isn't something that is common or is even necessary at a certain point in time. But what they really need is an innovator. What they really need is a thinker. What they really need is somebody to be proactive in a lot of these areas. Um, Dan Quinn was a wonderful defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, all right? But check the tape as far as my personal record, all right? Danny Q and I have not been seeing eye-to-eye for quite some time. Everybody has fallen so in love with this defense over the course of the last 1,000 days, and rightly so. They've had a billion turnovers. They've had a billion defensive touchdowns. They literally had a player set the pick-six record this past season. We talked about that. They've had a player who played so well that he is in all likelihood going to become the highest-paid defensive player in the history of the NFL in a matter of months in Micah Parsons. 
By the way, think about that. It is highly probable that the Cowboys this same offseason signed the highest paid players in defensive history in the NFL and in general history in the NFL in Micah Parsons and Dak Prescott. But that's a conversation for another day. That being said, this offense has been good enough. It was definitely not good enough. I'm totally with you. I, I don't need to have you jump down my throat. It was not good enough in any way, stretch, or form against the Green Bay Packers. Nobody was. We're, we're simpatico there. All right. But this defense, this 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 idea, this Dan Quinn, oh, they got the right guys, just got to, you know, whatever. They got to try hard, whatever. This idea that the defense, you know, has been good enough, I think is a bit of, of, of a mirage. I mean, this defense got worked against the Green Bay Packers. And a lot of that is Dan Quinn's fault. And it makes the fact that he's, you know, speaking or was speaking on Tuesday with a different set of clothes on, a promoted set of clothes as, the, as a head coach in the NFL, all the more flabbergasting, although the fact that it was Washington and they were the last seat remaining in musical chairs kind of makes that make a little bit of sense. But the, the Cowboys, that, that whole phenomenon is representative of what their overall problem is. It isn't just a lack of yelling or just a lack of leadership or just a lack of veteran accountability or whatever you want to call it. They're not a proactive team. You look at the way they play defensively, and they have been built upon playing fast, playing the pass, generating turnovers, generating takeaways. They are a boom or bust kind of team defensively. What did the Green Bay Packers do? They said, well, you want to play soft like that? You want to play back? We're just going to run this thing down your throat. We're going to play out of 12 personnel. We are going to push you around, and we are going to exhaust you, and we are going to make you sorry that you are in this game against us, and when you finally quit, we're going to break your back by going deep off of play action over and over and over and over again, like the Marshawn Lynch quote. And it worked. And guess what? That offensive design is percolated all across the NFL. <laughs> and we've all known that forever. Kyle Shanahan's disciples didn't just you know find these positions today. They've been in the NFL for about half a decade now in terms of positions of prominence. And it's just now that the Cowboys are realizing that what they've devoted, as I mentioned, the last thousand days towards is an archaic way to approach and to attack that. And so they have to kind of get down to bare bones. They have to find somebody that can be proactive, that can look forward, that can say, you know what we have to do? We have to be one step ahead of the current design of the current offensive scheme that is percolated all across the NFL. That is what we have to do. And you know what you do when you got to do that? You go get Mike Zimmer, apparently. That's that's what that's how the Cowboys have decided uh, to combat this whole situation. I don't mean to throw Mike under the bus. I'm, I've come around a little bit on it. I still am very upset with the whole process of how we got here. Um, in the Brigade Bar, Jeff McClanahan says Parsons is a good example. Jerry will make him the highest paid player in the league, but he's not great. Jeff, love you, buddy, but we can be mad at Micah. And you can be annoyed at his podcast and you can wish he didn't do this and he didn't say that and whatever the case may be. Be annoyed. You have every right to be annoyed. But the idea or the presentation that Micah Parsons is not great is a bridge too far. All right. I'm I'm ready to, you know, my pitchfork is out and it's sharpened and I'm ready to rock. But let's all, you know, let's just be straight up about this. Micah Parsons is certainly great. Uh, Brian, by the way, notes the defense went down the hill when they played the Seahawks. My man, Brian. Again, Dan Quinn was awesome, but this defense got worked over the course of the second half of the season, and it really did begin with that game. The Was it December 1st or November 30th, whatever it was, of that Thursday night game on Amazon Prime? By the way, I do think we, we maybe have Amazon to thank. 
for the big boost in the salary cap. Um, the cap, notably $255.4 million, had the biggest increase year-to-year that it has ever had in NFL history, and a big reason for that was the media rights money, the TV money that has come in. Amazon, in case you forgot, paid a billion dollars, which I'm sure was mostly, you know, uh, generated by all the crap you and I order on a day-to-day basis, but uh, a billion dollars they paid for the Thursday night football package, and uh, that is a big reason why the Cowboys have enough room to be able to do things even though they have to negotiate extensions for the aforementioned Micah Parsons, for Dak Prescott, for C.D. Lamb. Do not let the Cowboys convince you, because they will try. Do not let them convince you that they are strapped that they cannot sign free agents, that they are stuck, that the extensions are holding them back. Do not take the cheese. They will try their hardest to get you to believe that this is the player's fault and that they have nothing they can do. That is a lie. They can figure this out. They can get out of the box. They can get out of the corner they have painted themselves in. They just have to do some work. Chris Breckenridge in the Brigade Bar says, Cowboys culture issue throughout the season. Things were not going well on the field. Watch Lamb patting on the sideline or head down on the bench. Leaders, what leaders? CD definitely had a rough moment in the playoff loss. I don't think anybody would deny that. CD himself said on Micah Parsons' podcast um, that he needs to grow up, I think was the, the verbiage he used. Um, but, I mean, it was, a, it was a poor time to have a, a bad moment like that or a bad time to have a poor moment. But I don't think that there's enough data there to say it's a, it's a consistent issue for CD Lamb. Um, Hunter Hitch says, I want to push you around. Well, I will. Well, I will. No, that's not Matchbox 20. That's the Green Bay Packers. That's the comment of the day so far. Brian says, Cowboys let go of Gallup, then keep Dak his last year, or this last year. The Dak extension, I know you all love hearing about this. It is likely fewer than two weeks away, and I think this situation is important to contextualize in case you don't know. Two weeks from today is when free agency begins in the NFL. Happy New Year! We will see all the lame tweets um, two weeks from today when the new league year officially begins in the NFL. What that means is that transactions can officially process, but, I mean, technically today, uh, teams could agree to trades. They just cannot happen in a formalized way. We have seen that a lot in recent history. A lot of quarterback trades, things like, um, the Matthew Stafford trade, the Russell Wilson trade, whatever. Uh, Russell Wilson, that's a whole different set of problems, by the way. But those things have been agreed upon and agreed to um, in an informal way, but formalized at the beginning of the new league year in recent memory. So two weeks from the day is when that date comes around, but it is two days before then. In this case, it's March the 11th, 311. Um, when the legal tampering window opens in the NFL and the Cowboys, along with every other team, can officially negotiate with veteran players on the open market. And they will try very hard between now and then. All right, they're they're sitting up straight. You know the meme, the video game meme, sitting up and, and taking it seriously now because you're losing, you're down to two lives, and, and you, you got to go figure things out. you got to go get a health pack or whatever the case may be. Uh, it's like when in the new Spider-Man game when you're you're just dodging and trying to generate enough experience to heal. Uh, the Cowboys will try very, very, very hard to convince you that they cannot do anything. Need I remind you that the Cowboys 
were the last. That is L-A-S-T. They were the last team in the NFL last year to sign a veteran free agent. Now, they did trade, and we gave them their props. We gave them their flowers. We threw them parades. They did trade for Stephon Gilmore. They did trade for Brandon Cooks, and they deserved credit for that, which is why we gave it to them. But they were the last team in the NFL to sign a veteran free agent. That cannot be the case this year. All right? Whatever Dan Quinn says, whatever Stephen Jones says, that cannot be the case this year. Multiple things can be true, and it can be true that the Cowboys have been a highly consistent team over the course of the last thousand days, that they deserve credit for that, but that it is not good enough. And the reason it's not good enough isn't even about them losing to the Green Bay Packers. It's about not being enough against the San Francisco 49ers or against the San Francisco 49ers or against the Green Bay Packers or losing against the Arizona Cardinals this past season or losing against the Miami Dolphins. This team has warts, just like every team in the NFL. And that's what is important to identify here. There is not a single team in the NFL that you can point to right now and say they're good. They don't have to do a single thing in free agency. Now, we're starting to reach a point of ridiculousness with the Kansas City Chiefs to where you can kind of maybe legitimately say that because at this point, it's so inevitable that Patrick Mahomes is just going to win this whole thing no matter what anybody else does or how bad the Chiefs roster looks on paper. But the exception of all exceptions aside, every team in the NFL should do everything they can within their power to utilize every aspect of team and roster building. The Dallas Cowboys believe themselves to be, for very good reason, a well-drafting team. Recent history suggests, last year aside, that the Cowboys know what they're doing when it comes to the NFL draft. Kudos, props, we'll give you your flowers, all right? There are more ways to add to your team. There are no rules that say you have to only do one. There is nothing that inhibits you from signing players in free agency and being a well-drafting team. And if guess what? Because of the way the timeline of all this is constructed, if you sign players in free agency, it minimizes the needs you have in the draft, right? We went into the draft last year. We said, man, the Cowboys really need a run-stopping defensive tackle. Boom, baby! Here's Mozzie Smith. All right, party. Pizza party time. Everybody get hyped. And then what happens? Mozzie's not that great, and we're all pissed off, and we're all sad, and we're all frustrated, and we're saying, well, this stinks because the dude who they thought was going to be the answer isn't very good, so they don't have anybody to sort of, you know, fill this hole, fill this need. Here's a wild, wacky idea. What if you go sign somebody in free agency and draft somebody, and you kind of just add through every avenue of team building? We're sitting here right now. We're saying the Dallas Cowboys need help at linebacker they have to get bigger they have to get real legitimate linebackers on their team no more of this converted safety nonsense you have to do it you know what would be silly and would honestly be kind of reckless is if the cowboys went into this offseason and said all right we need a linebacker we're gonna take care of one in the draft boom done we're a great drafting team that's what we're gonna do no don't do that i mean by all means draft a linebacker but sign one in free agency more we always want more you have more money you've been given more money in this particular year relative to the salary cap than you've ever been given in any year before in the past use it you have a surplus i don't care if it's a copy machine i don't care if it's chairs for everybody in the office it has to be something 
you have to find a way to utilize all of the resources at your disposal to improve your football team. And what that means more than anything is you got to do some work. You got to get out of your seat. You got to get into the, you know, the, the grind of it all. You got to roll those sleeves up and you got to burn some midnight oil and you got to get some work. You have to exercise every single avenue. You have to look under every rock and you have to double check and you have to look under those rocks and these rocks and some of these things that are decorative rocks and maybe they, you know, aren't rocks, but you have to look, you have to check. That is exactly what this time of year is for. You have to exhaust yourself in the name of improving this team because you never know the moment in time that that player or that position or that thing or whatever you saw or scouted or smelled or whatever the case may be, it's going to be a benefit to you. You simply cannot continue to rely upon the same most important five people on your team and hope that they carry you. You have more avenues than ever to improve your team. All right, now Dan Quinn thinks they need a strong locker room. That's great, but you need a lot more than that. You, you're in the NFL, the most competitive league in the, in the world. You have to find a way to be better. You have to exercise every avenue of roster building. And if you don't, well, it's like Logan Roy said, I love you, but you're just not serious people. Woo! Even in the middle of February, the end of February, the Cowboys find a way to fire us up, don't they? Uh, if you think that stinks, wait till I tell you what happened to the San Antonio Spurs. All right. <laughs> the San Antonio Spurs have wrapped up the rodeo road trip. And when I say wrapped up, it's like when you forgot to wrap the Christmas gift and you didn't have any left. Um, and so you had like half of a roll of one and half of another. You didn't really have any tapes. So you kind of folded it over. Um, you know, it looks all terrible. It looks all nasty. Not the kind of nasty we want to see from the Spurs. It looks bad nasty. All right. This is just a, a nasty time to be a San Antonio Spurs fan. They lost on Tuesday night to the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're headed back home, tails tucked between their legs. No, 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 they're not because they're willing to bench Wimby. They're willing to bench Jeremy Sohan. They're willing to bench Keldon Johnson. You better not step one toe out of line because the Spurs are going to get pissed off. And when they get pissed off, you're going to have to miss some time in the third quarter. You're not going to be on the floor when Minnesota goes on a 12 to nothing run. You're going to be the one missing out on all this fun. So you better get things in order here. We have a whole lot to get to relative to sports, spurs, and whatever else here on the morning huddle. So do not go anywhere. Get another cup. Get a pastry. Buckle up and get ready. We march on. A 94-1. San Antonio Sports Star.